Hi, my name is Gonzalo Mon. I'm a partner in Kelly Dry's Advertising Law Group, and I'm going to be talking about influencers today. In recent years, a growing number of companies have started to use influencers to promote their brands. It's hard to get accurate numbers, but some sources have estimated that there are well over 1 million sponsored posts on Instagram last year alone, and those posts have generated over 1 billion likes. So it's easy to see why this is popular. Even small companies are learning that they can increase their reach with relatively small investment. But although more companies are engaging with influencers, a lot of companies don't understand the legal requirements and, or other problems that they can encounter in this space. So today we're going to briefly address some of the things that companies should think about up front. Now when you're thinking about legal requirements, the first thing that should come to mind are the FTC's guidelines on endorsements and testimonials. Those guides cover a lot of ground, but I want to focus primarily on the area where we've seen the most activity. The FTC has said that an endorser, otherwise known as an influencer, has a material connection to the company whose product she's endorsing. That endorser generally has to clearly disclose that connection. Intuitively, that makes sense, and I think that most people listening are going to agree with that basic principle. For example, if you're looking to buy a, a book a hotel room and you're reading reviews, I think you're going to care to know whether the review was written by an independent traveler or whether it was written by somebody who works at the hotel. So the basic principle is fairly not controversial. Nevertheless, reasonable minds can differ about some of the details, including, well, what is an endorsement? What's a material connection? And what's a clear disclosure? So we'll look at all three of those. First, what's an endorsement? Well, obviously, if an influencer says positive things about your product, that's likely to constitute an endorsement. But less obvious things can fall under the scope of the FTC's guides, too. For example, the FTC has said that in certain circumstances, even posting a picture of a product or simply tagging a brand can constitute an endorsement even if the person posting doesn't say anything about it. So that's fairly broad. Regardless of whether you ask an influencer to explicitly say good things about your product or whether the promotion is more subtle, you may need to require influencers to disclose any material connections they have to you. And that brings us to the question of what exactly is a material connection? Again, some things here are probably obvious. If you pay an influencer money to promote your product, that's a material connection, and that probably needs to be disclosed. But material connections can be more than just a payment. For example, if you give an influencer free products, that probably triggers the disclosure requirements too. And again, the FTC has been fairly broad here. They've held that discounts, or even things like a chance to win a prize in a sweepstakes or a contest, are connections that need to be disclosed. So again, they've taken a very broad view of that term. So let's say you've got an endorsement and you've got a material connection. What's a clear disclosure? What constitutes a clear disclosure probably breaks down to the two questions. What do you have to say and how do you have to say it? As far as what do you have to say, the law doesn't mandate that you use specific words. Uh, nevertheless, we see a lot of advertisers defaulting to things like ad or sponsored, which are usually safe options if they are clearly presented. 
But those words aren't required, and you do have some flexibility. Be careful about getting too creative, though. The FTC has frowned on disclosures such as SPON, an abbreviation of sponsored, or partner, which they thought were a little too cryptic and didn't adequately convey the nature of the, of the relationship between the company and the influencer. Now, once you figure out what the influencer is going to say, the next question is where should they say it? And the precise details are going to depend a little bit on the context, but it's important to make sure that the disclosure appears in a place where consumers are likely to see it and that they don't have to take any additional steps in order to do that. For example, if consumers have to click on a link in order to see a disclosure, that's not going to be good enough, and the FTC has some cases on that point. They've actually been fairly active in enforcing this area. Uh, their investigations have targeted both large companies and small companies and companies across a pretty wide range of industries. Despite that, there are groups that don't think the FTC's been doing enough, and they've actually been scouring Instagram, finding examples of campaigns that they don't think comply with the law, and sending those to the FTC, urging them to take some more actions. It's hard to say how the FTC is going to react to these requests, but there's no reason to think that enforcement is going to slow down in this area. Although most of the enforcement that we've seen here involves disclosure of material connections, that's not the only thing you need to worry about. For example, the FTC has said that companies can be responsible for claims that influencers make, even if the companies didn't approve those claims. So if, if an influencer says something about your product that's not exactly true or that it's misleading, you can get in trouble even if you had nothing to do with it. Because of that, depending on the circumstances, you may want to provide some messaging guidelines to your influencers to make sure they don't say things that are going to get you in trouble. Those, I think, are some of the key legal issues, but your obligations and your concerns don't stop there. You need to think about more than just complying with the law. Unfortunately, these days, it's not uncommon to turn on the news and to see or read something about a celebrity involved in a scandal. So what do you do if you've invested a lot of money in an influencer and the influencer does something that's going to negatively affect your brand? Well, some companies use provisions that are often called morals clauses to address this situation. A morals clause essentially gives you the right to pull the plug on a relationship if you think you're going to be embarrassed or otherwise harmed by what the influencer has done. These types of clauses can be highly negotiated, and whether or not one makes sense for you is going to depend on the nature of your deal. However, regardless of whether you use a morals clause or something else, it is important to think about termination options up front. So those are the key issues you need to think about. Let's talk about some best practices now. First of all, I don't think that there's a one-size-fits-all approach in this area. For example, I wouldn't necessarily approach a low dollar value campaign that just involves a few posts the same way I would approach a multi-million dollar celebrity endorsement deal that involves a large number of posts over a longer period of time. Nevertheless, there are some general tips that I do think apply across campaigns. First, you should have an agreement with your influencer that addresses the disclosure requirements. And you may even want to address those requirements outside of the agreement so that they're easy to see and understand for the influencers. We can debate 
whether it makes more sense to be very specific in these requirements or to allow some flexibility, but you need to give influencers some direction. That's not enough, though. You can't simply tell the influencers what to do and then hope for the best. You need to monitor, make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, and if they're not, you need to contact them and take steps to get things fixed. If you think it's possible that your influencer might make misleading statements about your products, especially if your products are complicated, you may want to have guidelines to address that too. Again, a lot's really going to depend on your campaign and your products. Lastly, think about what termination options make sense for your campaign. It's natural to start a campaign with high expectations and the belief that everything is going to work out well, but a little bit of planning at the outset can be a big help if things go wrong later on. Hopefully this has been helpful, but if you have any questions about this or any other marketing issues, you can feel free to contact me or one of my colleagues. You can also visit our blog, www.adlawaccess.com, where we discuss this and a lot of other similar issues. Thank you.